Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Season 2, Episode 24, Respiratory Failure. Hello, dear ones. You know, one of our listeners wrote me this week to tell me that the blink of an eye story had reminded her of another young man's story she had been following, Christopher. Christopher was injured about six weeks ago with a spinal cord injury and potential brain damage. She said she told Christopher's mom about blink of an eye as she too sat bedside to him in the hospital. She said she found comfort, and some advocacy tools. That was so moving to me, because even though we do not know Christopher, and they do not know us, we can still support each other. Indeed, whenever we shift our attention to holding someone in grace and in the light, we can change the experience between us. We can bring energy to that relationship, and we can feel that we are never alone. As painful as it is to hear about another spinal cord injury, there are about 18,000 a year in the United States. I add each name to my prayer list, and I welcome you to consider doing the same, as many of those injured will not survive the first 30 days. Consider adding to your prayer list whoever it is is in your community who needs your attention. Prayer is powerful, and prayer is doing something. It is. Well, welcome to Episode 24, Respiratory Failure. In this episode, you'll hear about the power of prayer and the energy field it can create for healing. Your shift of attention for positive breath, for ease, intentional thought on behalf of a particular person collectively can change their outcome in tangible and intangible ways, especially when the request is made with genuine love for life reference for what is larger in the universe and the mystical intersection of that divine energy with the person being prayed for's free will. So I love praying for healing and ease of suffering. We are all in this together. In the Companion Trauma Healing Learning 24 Respiratory Failure, We can delve further together into that mystical intersection of the life we live and the body we have on this earth and what we believe is possible. 
I think that magical convergence is lived through the breath. And all the ancient religious traditions have beautiful prayers for healing, believing in God's breath of beneficence. So settle in. Settle your spirit. Anticipate something good for your own well-being today. And take in a breath. We just don't know what lies in store for us. Okay, here we go. Back to August 2015 at Atlantic Care Hospital in the Trauma Intensive Care Unit. Episode 24, Respiratory Failure. Life can change in the blink of an eye. September 1, Tuesday, Day 28. Respiratory failure. That is what the Chief of Trauma wrote and showed me on the medical letter with the Atlantic Care Hospital letterhead at the top as we stared at each other in silence. There were no words to exchange. We were at the end of the line with Atlanticare. But it was like a bucket of cold water thrown in my face. And it was devastating to see it in writing. What I didn't realize then, though, was that those words would also make it possible for us to have medical coverage at another facility, which had greater expertise. I was learning the ropes on this crazy insurance obstacle course, and the chief of trauma was essentially helping us to go elsewhere. As Dr. Tolucci's eyes and mine met and lingered, in a moment of mixed resignation, sadness, and the stark truth. I had always liked him, as he had always been a straight shooter, and I felt on our team. I mustered a faint smile and said, Thank you. He nodded and turned to leave the hospital room. I spent much of the day on the phone with Maryland Shock Trauma, Johns Hopkins Medical Center, the Shepherd Center, McDonough School Administration, transportation companies, Billy and our kids, as we waited. Tuesday, September 1, 2015. Day 28, Family and Friends Update. Although none of his settings have changed, we think Archer is doing well, up on a tilt table again, and even a visit from the Blue Angels, whom we could hear all morning performing practice rounds of daring displays in the Atlantic City sky in breathtaking formations. They were in town for the Labor Day air show, I guess. I don't know how they knew of Archer, 
but they arrived unannounced at our hospital room. They are such impressive pilots in their flight jumpsuits, exuding patriotism and athleticism and daring courage to do what they do in flight. You know what we did? All six of the pilots and crew all stood around Archer's hospital bed and we held hands in a circle, including their holding Archer's hands, surrounding Archer's tilt bed. And we said together the prayer for a creative miracle as I read each line and they echoed it. It was really beautiful. Yep, that's what it will be for Archer, a creative miracle. I believe that deeply, and I hope you do too. It's clear that we need to get the decision right for where Archer gets his inpatient rehabilitation. This ICU is keeping him stable but has done all it can and can no longer care for Archer with the expertise he needs. We were given a letter for Archer's diagnosis and prognosis from the chief of trauma here today as a reminder of the reality of moving Archer so he can progress. To see those words in writing about his condition broke my heart again and again. It said C5 quadriplegic complete, acute lung injury, complete heart block, ventilator dependent, respiratory failure. It's a lot. So after great care and discernment, our family has made a decision, bittersweet, but a decision we know and believe is right. Archer will do his inpatient rehabilitation at the Shepherd Center in Atlanta. It will be hard to be physically separated from each other and from our dear Baltimore for a period of time. But as Dutch said, (laughs) we'll just pretend it's like Archer going away to college a little early. I love that. But mom doesn't usually go too. Our new normal is about to begin. I will move to Atlanta with Archer for what we anticipate will be till Thanksgiving or Christmas. Archer and I will depart here in less than 36 hours. I know you have many questions. So do we. Most of them we don't have answers to yet. All we know right now is that we're doing what it takes to get Arch to the place that is rated as the number one spinal cord injury rehab facility in the world for adolescent young men. I'll share more later, I promise. 
things are moving very quickly now. They need to be. A jet will arrive Thursday morning at 7 a.m., and we will be in flight with only two carry-on bags total between us. I think that's the kind of journey God is asking me to take. Direct. Lighter. No looking back. And to not be afraid. I feel hopeful. I feel grateful. And I'm flooded with relief. Their air transport is so expert that they will take him even though his vitals are still not where we all wanted. Our lion-hearted archer is really wasting away here in a bed. And we all know we have to get him out of here to a place with higher levels of expertise in spinal cord injury in order to move to the next phase. Thank you for all your prayers that we would make a good decision. Billy and I know it's right. Today was also our book launch day. Billy posted something on the Orens website. We canceled the event we are going to have today. But as far as I'm concerned, the launch happened even better and bigger. Archer Strong. Strong enough to the Shepherd Clinic. For tonight, if you are willing, please start feeling in your heart what it will feel like for Archer to have a successful transport to Atlanta. Three hours and 30 minutes, in spite of the cabin pressure and a jet on his fragile lungs and respiratory ability. Go to bed tonight and tomorrow night and feel your head on your pillow and imagine and feel the relief, the happiness, the smile from your imagined safe transport of Archer. Please feel that when you pray for us. God will hear you. Mother Mary will hear you. Your prayers, every single one of them, help us so much. We love you all so much. I know we are all in this together. It's been a big, important day. And if you purchased a Being Relational book in the bookstores or on Amazon, thank you for that too. Amen. I looked around Archer's room. Where had a month gone? I glanced at my little makeshift bed and my little lamp and CD player and crystals and rosary beads. I glanced at the orange, soft, fleecy Baltimore Orioles blanket Archer was so fond of and which he asked to be wrapped in that had been sent by the Frankie family in Baltimore. They had also given him a head scratcher. You know, one of those wire things that looks like a whisk in the shape of an egg on a stick. 
but open at one end with the wire prongs dotted with little soft squishy balls on the end that feels so good when pushed and flattened onto the top of the scalp. You know what I'm talking about? Archer seemed to purr like an old cat when I would comb those smooth wire scratchers through his long mane of hair. It was such a tender pleasure for him. I felt flooded with happiness at the very thought of that little memory and flooded with so much gratitude for all the kindnesses that had held us through and up to this moment in time. I wished I had had a box of note cards to write thank you notes to so many people. But all I had was my phone. Before I began to text, I closed my eyes. And then this is what I wrote. Text to Molly Frank. I want to thank you. If you could imagine the most beautifully designed and illustrated thank you card with a colorful postage stamp on the outside of a pretty envelope sent by mail in the appropriate fashion. Please imagine that this is that card. Your thoughtfulness for Archer has been exceedingly kind. You were one of the first on the scene with us and the first from Baltimore, Molly, to come visit us. You all actually saw Archer in what I now see as the good days, as he was still physically strong in appearance, albeit with the tubes taped around his nose and mouth. He is so very wan and thin and weak now. 28 days later. It just breaks my heart over and over. But his will to live and be strong is very alive. It is as burning in him as the pleurisy, but it is not a fire which will consume, but a fire that brings warmth and survival. I imagine the first fire the caveman and woman made. I always have, as a little girl, imagined that moment, marveling at how they knew and how that one new action provided warmth and changed evolution. I pulled the quilt that I had wrapped around me tighter in Archer's freezing cold room and was filled with gratitude again that I was warmed from head to toe. The quilt had been waiting for me in our kitchen back in Baltimore in a box that the neighbors had brought in from the mail. I had opened it and found a note. The sender had said, Louise, we are weaving this cloth for this quilt of comfort and feeling of security as we cry for you every day. You are both my first and last thoughts and so often in between 
You are a remarkable human being, and you have always lifted me by just being with you. I hope I can lift you in some way. My heart so aches for you and your amazing family. So unjust. Prayers are the very least I can offer you. XXOO, Sheila Bruce. It took my breath away. Sheila and I were in Leadership Maryland together, and she was a former divorce client. I was deeply moved. Like the other phone notation, I found more of my journal notes and texts on my phone from this day like this one, back to Sheila. No, my sweet friend, prayers are the very most you could offer, and we thank you. Sending love. I don't know if the kind earth angels in my life ever received my messages, but I hope they were felt through the vibration of thought and intention. I was full of love and gratitude, and I meant it deeply about prayers. I had often found myself feeling very low about what to do when I heard that someone I knew had lost their parent to cancer or some other devastating disease, or was getting divorced, or when I would hear about a family whose child had had a brush with the law or been in a bad drunk driving accident, or had a child diagnosed with a life-altering medical condition. I would often write a note, but always wonder what else I could do. And so I would pray for them. And I would go to Mass in the morning and sit in the quiet and think about them and pray for them. It was all I knew to do. I didn't think it was much, but they were on my mind, and so I prayed. It was small, and it wasn't much. But you know what? I now know something very different. Archer and our family have survived these 28 days in the hospital because of the prayers of so many. I have no doubt in my mind. They were not just platitudes. They were not idle words. Every prayer, every positive intention from so many different faiths, unified, created an energy field for Archer. I know it. I feel it. My prayer was that we would sustain that. Please don't leave us good people of prayer. I found more journal entries in my phone from this day. God, I know you are with me and will help me pick up the pieces again and love me right through this. I don't want to stumble, though. 
and I hope we make big decisions wisely, like our house and my mediation practice. So much is unknown. Please help me put one foot in front of the other. And here was another. Those wonderful three days when Archer was lifted out of his bed and into a chair were so good until they couldn't find a chair anywhere on the entire unit. So we missed a day. And then the events of the last three days had him back in bed. But then on a tilt table yesterday, please, Lord, help him get strong enough to be lifted into a chair again. My prayers were simple. My prayers were grand. My prayers were unceasing. I had the opportunity to interview Molly Frankie, a friend from our church, the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen in Baltimore, as we looked back over six years later on those gifts she gave Archer and on this day in the story. Here is an excerpt. I'm wondering if you want to, or where you want to start, if you remember what it was like when you first learned and if you remember even coming to visit us um, in those first uh, few days. I absolutely remember everything. Um, I just felt like I would, actually when I found out I was in Target um, and I got a phone call from a, a friend, uh, Mary Jo Quaro, who her daughter Katie was in the same class with Archer and my son Devin at Cathedral. And she called me and told me that Archer had been in a, a bad accident and it, He's very seriously injured. And uh, God just, just stopped me in my tracks. I'll never forget it. Oh. So when you say in the blink of an eye, that's exactly what happens. It's as you know. Yes. Everything can change in the blink of an eye. So just what, having known watch Archer grow up, you know, from age five up until, you know, the man he was at the time or, uh, you know, just thinking of him and what he's going through in your family. I think that's one of the pieces. It's it's not so crazy and far out to realize this could happen to any of us. Right, right. And when uh, I was younger, my, my brother's best friend, the same thing happened to him. He was at the beach and um, just young, vibrant football player, athletic boy, getting ready to go to Penn State to play football. And he went into the ocean and broke his neck and came, you know, was a quadriplegic from then on. So I felt like when Archer had his accident, it hit very close to home because of what my brother's friend and my brother went through with him. So just being by his side as he went through dealing with his accident and just the dramatic change of, of their life that's going to happen because looking at Archer and, and Tim, they were both such wonderful, you know, athletic, outgoing artistic you know people that I feel like it's going to be such a life-changing obviously for what they have been used to and and just being only 17 years old uh, I just felt like what a change is going to be so I just I just 
couldn't stop thinking about how, you know, everything that he's known is going to be different. So. Well, it, it was as if you did have some higher wisdom because you sent us things that were so vital to our comfort and to our experience in that hospital room and transforming it. I don't know if you remember specifically, but some of the things you sent us, like the softest, coziest fleece blanket for the Orioles. Right. And a head scratcher. <laughs> right, right. Do you remember those things? Absolutely, yes. I, I want to, I think we brought, I think I brought the blanket maybe to Atlantic City. I, I can't remember. Um, so it happened when we were, I was in Target shopping because I was getting ready to go to the beach for our week's vacation. And we always went to Ocean City, New Jersey. So that's why um, we were close by Atlantic City. So within a few days, we were going to be in Ocean City. And that's when I reached out to you. Like we were, we would love to come see Archer if it's not too much of an imposition, you know, and you absolutely you immediately said, yes, please come, come, come. So we bought a blanket here and, and brought it. And I, I believe we, that's where we brought it that day was to give to him there. Just have a little bit of home while he's, you know, in Atlantic City. So um, I, I always just, just wondered uh, about that. You did bring it with you. And, and then I was curious, like, what made you, and how did you know we needed the head scratcher? <laughs> I, I remember your blog, on your blog, I would just look for it every day, any update we could get on, on how things were going for all of you. Um, and I, I remember you talking about how, you know, he doesn't have very much feeling throughout, but what he has, does have feeling with was on his head and how, you know, he likes me to like, brush his hair or, you know, touch his head. And we had one of those head scratchers at our house. And uh, um, I thought, oh, Archer would probably love that. And so I, I bought one and I brought it to Cathedral one day and I gave it to Dutch in a, in a bag. Just so I was like, I'm like, here, give this to your mom for, for Archer. And uh, I just thought that would be something that would make him feel a little bit of comfort. It was just amazing because we, our children had one of those crazy, you know, head scratcher things yeah. too. And we had been looking for it and couldn't find it anywhere. And then lo and behold, you know, Molly Frankie sends us one. <laughs> funny. And wanting to keep updated on how things were going with, with Archer and, and what we could do. Always wanting to know what can we do next to help help out with what you're going through. So one of the things I really learned, and I, I've always known it, just like, you know, perhaps you've always known it too, that we can pray, but I really got it at a deeper level, what, what it really means to do something. And, and there's an action, you know, prayer and action, I think is the calling for someone in service, all of us, but that prayer itself, is doing something. Your devotion, you know, to prayer, to just pray for Archer, everyone, and what you were going through. I just thought it was so beautifully written and you just felt you really took us on the journey with you. The prayer vigil had happened just a couple of days prior to where I am in the, in the podcast story. Yeah. And I learned 
from one of those interviews, just what a relief it was to some of the kids to finally, you know, it'd been summertime and um, they'd been, of course, dispersed and on vacation in August and so forth. And then coming back together and just having each other to begin to talk to about how devastating it was for them. And I hadn't fully appreciated and comprehended just how important that was for so many of the young people like Devin um, and Alex and Tommy to have each other. I, I felt like they were supportive with each other, you know, talking about it amongst themselves versus versus to me or, or, or our parents, I'm not sure. Prayer vigil being a gathering for them, but what you're just mentioning, just being in contact with each other, even during the summer to be right. able to talk to about it. That prayer vigil was, it was lovely, just beautiful and how our community came together and um, Bill spoke so nicely and Paula, seeing, just seeing your family there was just very, very moving. I'm sure you know now how, how many people that his, this accident impacted and how we all just wanted to be there and pray for, for him and, and all of you. So it was a beautiful scene. And very quiet. And then afterwards, you know, just everyone walking, walking home, just, it was, it was very, it was a very uh, moving, prayerful time. It was, it was, it was really heartfelt. Well, we've, we really felt that too. And even now I can, I can see that picture of you all. It's, it's really extraordinary when um, people gather, I think, to pray and be very intentional about, about someone that whom they care about a lot. And actually what can happen as, as a result of that. As I thought about all the amazing people who had been with us on the journey, to think that a mere week ago, we thought we would be home in one to two weeks. It was crazy thinking. There was so much we did not know. But I practically jumped for joy and reached for Archer's hand when I got the call from the Shepherd Center that Archer was accepted and that a medical jet would be taking us. It's happening, Arch. We're going, sweetheart. You're going to walk again. It's just a matter of time and the right people to help you. But I was aware of a creeping feeling of overwhelm at the prospect of being separated from my children just to be with one of them. It was all so complicated. I meant every word I had said to the children to be kind, to take care of each other, and to do well in life, which meant in school and at their jobs, and that doing so would be good for all of us. I knew it was a tall order, but I also expected it of my children. To whom much is given, much is expected. I can hear my mom saying that. I believe that. I wonder how you might feel about this. I also wanted to set my children free to do just that, to succeed and to live their own lives. 
Do you remember that feeling in your life when the time would come when you needed to set your children free? But it was also much more than that. I didn't want them burdened by this fear and having to figure it all out. That would be Billy's and my responsibility. At least for now. I was thinking about so many things when my phone rang. Yes, this is she. Yes, Archer Sempt is my son. Yes, respiratory failure. Mm -hmm. Yes, two chest tubes. Mm -hmm. Yes, a pacemaker. It was the transportation company the Shepherd Center had put me in contact with, calling me back to arrange for Archer's transport to Atlanta. How many nurses? I don't know how many nurses will be needed. Yes, he is a minor. Yes, he is over six feet tall. No. He doesn't weigh 163 pounds, only about 127, 130 pounds now. Yes, a feeding tube. Yes, yes, nine monitors. I felt myself going through the drill, but as I heard myself, I felt weak need. But he's strong. All of that life support is just temporary. He's going to get off of it someday. You just have to get us there. Please. Yes. I will accompany him. And so will his dad. Oh. Only one of us can go? I see. Yes, there are six machines. Yes, many tubes and drip bags. You've done this before, right? How long will the flight be? Oh, I see. A lot longer because it's a medical jet. How come? Oh, I see. We fly in a different airspace that's slower, but it will lessen the pressure on his lungs. Okay, well, that's good. Yes, to the Shepherd Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Right. Oh, it's not a long-term acute care facility. Thank goodness. Yes, we realize that. They have an ICU. He'll be taken to that. He'll do fine. He just needs the right care and time. They've promised they'll get him off the ventilator in three days or less. We just have to get him there. It was happening. We were going. I thought back on so many memorable moments of the last month. All the community all the energy that was created to allow this moment for us to now be leaving Atlanticare. I knew 
each Archer Strong t-shirt put on, each Pray for Archer wristband worn. Each were symbols of friendship, of love, of hope, and of solidarity and unity. You don't have to have the whole world with you. You just need your corner of the world with you. Because the rest of the world, the world you can't see, but you can feel, is always with you. That's how I felt as I looked around Archer's room. Here's an excerpt from Jackson Morrill about the t-shirts. Remember Archer's boyhood and lacrosse friend Jackson, whom he carpooled with every day to high school? I mean, as I mentioned, like, you know, sitting in those couple of weeks afterwards um, and reading all the updates, it was a lot of um, wishing that there was a way to help, right? Um, and there wasn't really much to do besides talk about it with your friends and family and, you know, as you do as you ask, right, and, and pray and, and think positive thoughts. Um, but there wasn't much actionable things to do. Um, and that was, I think, definitely frustrating for me and was hard. Um, just like for a lot of people, I think it was like just wishing there was a way to help. Um, and I think there was a moment um, in one of the updates where, you know, it started to be clear that, like, there was going to be a lot of surgeries that happened. Um, And my first thought was, okay, this is the first moment where maybe there's some way we can help. Um, And so that was really where it started was I was like, hopefully we could raise some money and help, right? And and that was kind of the the basic way where it started. And I was like, what's the easiest way to do that? And it's to make t-shirts. And it's, you know, then the positive parts of you know, McDonough community, Baltimore community, Royal Park community will come out of that um, based off of the t-shirts. Um, but I do remember that there was one specific write-up where I remember talking to my mom, like, it sounds like now if we raise money, that would be helpful. Um, and Mrs. Stemp might, might find that helpful. So that was kind of the first part. Um, then in terms of designs, um, I actually went on my phone as I was walking home tonight try and look back and see what I could find and I actually had a initial design that was not it doesn't actually look much like the the final one um, but I remember going on I think you can go right on to custom ink I guess and, and you can design a t-shirt whenever you want and it doesn't look great but I, I do remember you know at one point being like well I gotta think of a t-shirt if I'm gonna do this um, but the design of it came from as I mentioned you know, a car ride, a couple car rides um, back in the spring of my junior year. Um, and and Crane Alex, I remember it as well, just like Archer well. Um, but, you know, him just joking, showing us some skepticism. Um, you mean like, so the design actually came from when Archer was around on those car rides? Yeah, yeah. So he, he, had, <sighs> he had a sketchbook that he had been sketching it for a while, um, and it, it was like a, I mean, Archer can describe it better than I can, but it, it was, you know, a bunch of drawings of some goofy signature, right, that he had made, um, and he was kind of, his idea as his art grows to kind of sign things. 
You mean like when he was doing his graffiti, like proof? Exactly. That's exactly what it was. It was proof. Um, <laughs> and so I had remembered, right, as I'm like making these t-shirts, I'm like, well, I can't just, you know, write Archer's name. I wanted it to be at least special in some sense, right? And I, I had all these things that I could think of that Archer would enjoy. Um, but, you know, that was kind of one of the things that popped in my head. I was like, well, what about one of his pieces of art? Right? Uh, and I actually went back and I think he had tweeted it out at some point um, that spring uh, from his sketchbook and I went back into his Twitter and I found the picture of it um, and so that was kind of where it started um, the design of it it all had become so much more it seemed like a movement I think that is how a lot of good things happen will effort and unity to this day, they're Archer Strong, you know, pray for Archer wristbands. Um, they're great, everybody. The whole community had them. You, yeah, I don't even know how that came about, except that Kath, Kathy Lobo. I, I, yeah, I forget how it came about also, but um, we ordered- I, I just know she was the first one who ordered and like by the back. get a certain amount, but then everybody wanted them. We were trying to she was trying to order more and it was hard to get them and yeah people talked about um how they would look over in baltimore you know in traffic or people talk about when they would be traveling at the airport and somebody would be wearing one of the archer strong wristbands or bracelets yeah. it's crazy it is yeah far-reaching yeah. that is another interesting story with kevin um not to keep going back to him but he would wear his all all the time and he went to Jamaica on a service trip through Loyola. And when he went there and they were in this inner city um, community of a group of children and they wanted his bracelet. And he did, wasn't, he's like, I don't want it. This is my, this is my Archer Strong. I haven't taken it off. I don't want to take it off. But the kids wanted it. And I remember him talking to him when he came home. He's like, mom, I had to give him my Archer bracelet they were tugging on it and wanted it so badly so he gave it to them and he left it in Jamaica but that was he said it was hard for him to let them have it wow well he did the right thing <laughs> and maybe that was even another prayer for Archer and their feeling those Jamaican children feeling uh -huh. connected to something too okay. yes and I, and I hope Devin got another one. Oh yes the Archer Strong wristbands built momentum for us too. It seemed that more and more people were wearing them in solidarity for Archer. Remember Kathy Lobo, the school nurse at the Cathedral of Mary, our Queen School? Well, she was the one who first ordered the little green Pray for Archer, Archer Strong rubber wristbands by the bagful. Here's an excerpt of my interview with Kathy about the wristbands. So that I, I received uh, notes and, and text, Kathy, about how people in Baltimore would be in traffic and they would look over and there would be like another person with their hand on the wheel driving, yeah. wearing a wristband whom they did not know. Right, 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 <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. And then they would sort of see and smile at each other. Right. It was very powerful. And I remember I had, um, when I came back to school after, you know, that August you know, in the fall, I would have a bowl in my office and I always made sure it was filled with the bands because whenever the kids came in, if they didn't have one, they'd always be like, 
you have one of those green bands for that boy? And, you know, some of them knew Archer, but some of them were too young to know any of you guys or Archer. So I would have to explain the story, you know, to them, uh, depending on how old they were, because, you know, just so they would understand, but they always would come in looking for those green bands in the bowl in my office. As these experiences passed through my mind, I was so moved by the unity. And now we were about to move on. To what? I did not exactly know. And it did not matter. It was just onward. I prayed Archer was ready. While Archer may have been declared a respiratory failure, he was a champion for being alive, my lion-hearted boy. We had no idea of what lay ahead, but I believe so deeply that Archer was going to be okay. I then remembered the prayer vigil in Baltimore and the image that flooded my screen of those hundreds and hundreds of people on the hill, gathered, each holding a candle. And as I pictured the sight in my mind, even though I wasn't there, I felt like I was. I looked over at Archer and patted his arm. He may not have felt that, but I know he felt the love from that vigil. Yes, we felt the unity and energy in hospital room 3111. And I could still see and feel the light. I want to ask you about that prayer vigil at Friends School. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I was, I was there. I remember it very clearly. It was still very fresh at that point. Uh, I think that was the point where uh, some of the updates were coming along and, you know, I think, like, being there was, uh, I think it was good. I think everyone needed it because I think there were a lot of people sitting on their phones reading and not, like, understanding how many people were there reading it, uh, reading all the updates. So I think that part of it was really good. I distinctly remember, like, it being uplifting, but I remember being very scared at that point. Um, and I think that was kind of my biggest takeaway was, um, you know, it was, it was great. It was awesome. I don't know if, if I was really ready yet because I was still very, very scared and very nervous about all of it. Uh, but I think it was great because I hadn't really talked to my close friends at McDonough about it as much because it was kind of the closing of, of summer. And I talked to it with my soccer friends that I would seen at the start of soccer stuff. But some of my other friends that I hadn't seen as much, um, you know, I remember James Margraf, some of those very subtly, some of my other close friends being there. And I remember that was kind of the moment where it started to blossom out into everyone kind of talking about it and, you know, hearing what everyone's different experiences they were going through was. Um, because, you know, my connection to Archer is very different than everyone else and, and their connection to your family and things like that. Um, but I think it became the thing where, you know, we could talk about it with each other, which um, I think you know, doesn't matter.
there's hundreds of people standing around, lights out. Uh, I do remember there was a picture that was really cool from that night. It, it really looked like a million lights uh, standing there. A million lights. I love that. And I can picture that too. Can you? Kids gathering for their friend and starting to open up and be able to talk about something really scary and painful. And being together, looking around at all the candlelights in the night. Hundreds of people whose hearts had been breaking with ours, coming together as light. They were the lights. Looked at Archer, and he looked at me. He had no idea what I was thinking about. So I told him, you know, Arch, we have so many people who have been praying for you. I was thinking of all those friends of yours holding all those candles at the prayer vigil at friend's school for you. So many of them feeling scared and frightened for you. And at the exact same time coming together, lifting their hearts to pray and to believe. Do you feel the support and warmth of the community, Archer? as we believe together. You're going to get off that ventilator, Archer. You're going to get back to McDonough School. And you're going to walk again, my darling. And we're headed to the Shepherd Center where they're gonna help us make that happen. Those medical letters can say whatever they want. Respiratory failure, heart failure, shattered neck, quadriplegic complete. A lot of other things are going to be said about this condition, Archer. But what they forgot to put on those letters was that you, Archer Sempt, are not broken. You are lion-hearted. And you are deeply loved. And that is magical and divine and is enough to carry you, my darling, wherever you want to go. Archer looked at me so deeply. I felt the presence of something very holy. And I wanted to live into that holiness. Being with Archer made me feel that way. The fluorescent lights of the hospital room seemed to burn bright all of a sudden. I looked outside and it was already dark. I told Archer to rest and went and turned off the overheads, leaving the one on near the door and supply cabinet. I lowered the shades and threw a towel over the large computer screen mounted on the wall that the assessment nurses had left on. I usually turned it off, but tonight 
I thought I would just cover it as there were so many administrative-like people in and out of Archer's room today whom I'd never seen before, checking many things and filling out many reports, preparing for his discharge. Somebody might need the screen tonight. I rolled two fresh little washcloths into tight rolls and placed one each under Archer's fingers to prevent his hands from curling as I did every night. And I sat down to look around the room again. I could feel it was going to be one of the last times. It was almost midnight when my phone rang again. Yes? Yes. This is Louise Bipsempt. Yes. I will be the one traveling with my son. Mm -hmm. You're from the airline company? Oh. You need payment for the flight? Sure. Just one moment. Let me get our health insurance card. You can't take our card? How come? The flight is not covered by insurance? What does that mean? You need a credit card? Or wire transfer immediately? For how much? $25,000? Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Hope for everything obtain everything. Thank you for tuning in to the Blink of an Eye story. You may continue listening this Saturday to the trauma healing learnings that accompany this story at Trauma Healing Learning 24, Respiratory Failure. Thank you for listening and telling your friends about Blink of an Eye. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by I See That, the Integrative Center for Trauma Healing, Advocacy, and transformation. I See That is a multidisciplinary nonprofit that provides tangible support, trauma healing education, and advocacy for those experiencing crisis or trauma. To donate, please visit www.icthat.org. That's the letters I C T H A T dot O R G.